Chris Kaboom means it's time wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. Well, we know where you are. <laughs> We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're staying home, doing your part, contributing to what we all need to do, which is just get through it. We're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness to try to help in any way we can. Because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsors this week, ExpressVPN, Audible, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who knows how to staycation, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I, I turned to reach for my water and I don't have it in here with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, Uh-oh. We're, you know, it's that's the least of my problems right now. But I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, if you get parched, man, you can go get water. I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want any dry-throated co-hosts, you know what I'm saying? No, 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 I got... uh, Great, (laughs) I'm going to get through this. (laughs) Hey, uh, you know, the the world has gone all topsy-turvy, but the world of video games... Yeah, we Has have also so... gone all topsy yes. <laughs> no, Yeah, I was going to make a yes. I was going to make a, uh, uh, a a comparison, but it, it is the same. It's all topsy turvy. But that means that we got lots of stuff to talk about. We have lots of games to talk about. I hope lots of people listening are staying home and playing games. So, what better time to talk about games? And what better person do we have? We have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Canada. And you're downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for driving lots of content. Because we have game streamer extraordinaire, Tim Trixler Frazier, joining us once again. Hello, Trixler. My golly, you, you make me believe that a little bit. Like, I actually do something useful or something. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, dude, it has been uh, forever since I've got to talk with you. Almost yes. two years, I believe. I think I was... Um, Still playing just Heroes of the Storm, maybe towards the end of my career at Blizzard when we last talked. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Yeah. It's, it's all it's too changed long. so much. It's been too long. I'm, I'm glad to talk to you. I'm a fan. Uh, I know that you have, you're streaming all kinds of different stuff these days. And uh, we're going to talk Half-Life Alex later because I'm excited because yes. you, you've been playing that too. Um, man, tell me a little bit just before we get started. I imagine the the life of a game streamer is probably among the least disrupted because game streamers spend a lot of time at home in front of cameras and i wonder how you are managing and if if you find things maybe a little less crazy than the rest of us we're basically turtles no you're right we we, <laughs> we pull our heads in and we just stay inside all day uh actually for the first week or so i think i was like everyone else that meme of like i've been preparing this preparing for this for my entire life right, like, <laughs> right. i'm ready uh to not talk to anybody uh, great let's do it uh and i would say around like Eight, nine days in, I started myself as a streamer started to get stir crazy. I did not realize how important going to get a haircut was for the 20 to 30 minutes of the gym that I used to do. I used to go to the gym and cycle and um, 
uh, play Hearthstone. That would be my, my afternoon. And I didn't realize just going out and getting that fresh air, how important it was. Cause now our gyms are closed. I can't walk around my apartment complex. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yes, at first it, it felt like, okay, I'm a little detached to the real world a little bit here, but it's starting to have its own effect. And now of course, when I have to go out and venture into the wild and, uh, go to the store to grab groceries or whatnot, it's very surreal at yeah. how open the world is. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to just do my best to get through it just like you guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, we are all in it together. That's for sure. And uh, and the good news is that we've got video games to talk about, video games to play that help us get through yeah. this. So let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. But Trixler, you're our guest, so you get first pick of stories. There's lots to talk about. I'm curious, what would you consider to be your story of the week? I mean, I'm always down to talk about VR and, of course, The Last of Us 2, which is currently up here. So let's jump into that one if you want. Yeah, big, big news this week. It's funny. Christian and I last week were talking about uh, this this uh, post that Sony put out saying, hey, we don't anticipate any of our first party exclusives uh, will be be delayed because of the uh, COVID-19 situation. And yet here we are a week later saying Last of Us 2 and Iron Man VR, not just delayed, but delayed indefinitely. They're just not putting out these games for the foreseeable future. Lots to dig in here. Uh, there's a, a statement from Neil Druckmann talking about how much he's uh, disappointed as well, understands the fans are disappointed. Um, what is your take on all this, Trixler? Uh, right away, um, I, I'm reading through this article and I'm like, okay, maybe there's some delays because people will have to work from home, which would totally make sense in this regard. Uh, but Last of Us 2, it seems like they're pretty close to Golden Ticket when it comes to this interview. They mentioned that some people work from home, but they're just squashing bugs a little bit. Um, so I'm actually a little bit selfish here because uh, one of the reasons why it seems like they're delaying the release of Last of Us 2, one of these games that we have been waiting years for, sure. um, is because they are afraid that it might not be in the marketplace well enough. And yeah. I'm like, what about the digital market? Like, Movies are going the route of digital right now. Uh, if the game is almost done, I think it's totally fine to throw it on top of uh, the internet and allow people to download it through there uh, and allow for this game to be released. I mean, we need games to sit at home and kind of play a little bit. So uh, I'm not fully understanding the reasoning behind this being delayed. But if they feel like they have to go this route, then I can't really say too much except maybe be a bit disappointed. I think the context that we have to uh, look at this through is to understand that, you know, there are some movies that are being put out as digital releases. Correct. And then there are some other movies like the next fast and the furious or black widow that are, or uh, the new, new James Bond movie that are being delayed a year mm. because they realize these are billion dollar, potentially billion dollar franchises, billion dollar installments that are really going to pull in a tremendous amount of box office that just you just can't match in the home market. And I, the reason I bring that up is because it really became clear to me that that's still the case for some video games. Sure. There are these 
giant games like Last of Us Part Two that are really are global releases that really do, uh, even though those of us who are really tied in and uh, big video game fans and, and live on the internet as we all do, most of us, I think, are totally fine getting a game digitally. But it, it makes a big difference to these kinds of huge releases not to be in stores, not to have people in stores, to be able to buy physical copies of them. Um, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Trixler. This, this does appear to be a purely business decision from Sony yeah, and one that it's, it, it, by all indications seems like naughty dog is sad to be uh, a victim of themselves. Not a victim is the wrong word, but uh, you know, a party to themselves. It sounds like they were all excited to get this game out. It's not a, Hey, we're not finished with it. It's, it really is Sony going, we're literally not going to make the money we would make. And we this, this launch is going to go poorly. If we can't launch it as a global product, we can't launch it as a physical product. So Christian, I'm curious, uh, you know, this is a game clearly that you are very much anticipating last of us, your favorite game of all time uh, was slated for release May 29th. Sounds like we hope it'll be this year, but you know, who knows at this point, what do you, what do you make of this? I mean, from a very selfish standpoint, uh, I'm gutted personally, cause I want to play this game. Right. But that is a very small selfish reaction, um, that here I was expecting to be a month away from experiencing, um, the sequel to, yeah, one of my favorite games of all time and a game that looks to push the quality of what this current gen of consoles can do and what a triple a game can be. And, and continue this story that has stuck with me for whatever it's been seven, eight years now since the original came out that I just replayed not too long ago um, uh, uh, among my mini replays. Like I'm literally, I, when we do this show, I sit next to um, a signed Last of Us poster. I have the PS3 game on a shelf next to me signed by most of the team. And then my collection of LPs behind me is the box set of The Last of Us score on vinyl. You so kind of like, like this game, don't you? <laughs> it's, yeah, clearly, clearly I'm a fan. Um, and I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, Jeff. Like it's, you know, Onward came to Disney Plus early, but it also was already out. <laughs> um, so it was kind of stuck in this this pickle, right? Um, and The Last of Us Part Two, I'd imagine another big part of it is just whether or not you and I would buy it digitally or not, um, that physical presence is a big marketing presence. People still going to Target, Best Buy, um, GameStop, and and seeing it there, like the big displays, the window posters. You know, this is a huge, huge game. And then, oh, I can download it. Sure, I, I live in LA and I have pretty good internet, but I'll be honest, I've been on, uh, you know, video conference calls in the middle of the workday with a bunch of people and my internet's not so good <laughs> as, as the world yeah. is on the internet. Um, Netflix is slowing down downloads in, in Europe and parts of the country to kind Steam, of- mm-hmm. Steam has changed how they update games. They don't update games automatically anymore because yeah. they're trying to, to uh, manage the increased load. Yeah. And I, I believe that they had said that this is a multi-disc game. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I think that's the case. Like I remember being told yeah, this is no small game. That's for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, longer it's than large. anything they've done or whatever it was. Um, and, and so, you know, 
I might be able to download it here, maybe, but not while I'm also in a Google Meet meeting, you know, and like can- Yeah, but priorities, Christian. <laughs> right. Can, can, you know, Tina and Matt, wherever they live in Europe or other places in the US, download it. Like, and, and then the other side of it is disposable income. You know, the world has been hit. Very true. Yeah. Um, and I might be fortunate enough to have set aside the money for this game, but I, is that going to be the case in May 29th? I, you know, like, yeah, it's just, scary. it's just a whole new world. So I'm disappointed that I don't get to play this game when I thought I would, but I think from, and I understand, you know, why people at Naughty Dog would also feel that way. Cause they put so much of their time and effort and love into making this, you know, what they have to believe is an incredible experience. But I just, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I, Wonder Woman got I only, delayed. I can till, only imagine. Sorry, go ahead. Wonder Woman got delayed till August. And I, you know, like, yeah. I don't think I we're hope. going to movies in August. I hope, but who knows? And so, yeah, um, I just don't know, man. I can't help but imagine all of the people at Naughty Dog who are like, we crunched for how long to get this game yeah, done by exactly. May 29th? And now. But the other thing, and I want to say this understanding that is going to be a very unpopular opinion <laughs> but i i can't help but feel a little glad because i kind of don't want to put myself through the last of us part 2 right now sure i can see that it's something that i felt when i was playing resident evil 3 this week actually yeah uh, and even that- even half life is kind of it's it's kind of dark and it's kind of yeah. about the world has gone real bad Luckily, Half-Life has has a sense of humor throughout, uh, which kind of helped me. And, and the sci-fi nature of it really helped. But Last of Us is doesn't really have a sense of humor. It really is about the horrible spore virus making the world unlivable and people living through the horror of that. It just – there's a part of me that's like I, – I don't even know if I would – be able to play this game right now, just emotionally. That's how I, I feel about that Iron actually. Man VR. <laughs> uh, when Last of Us 2 Delay came out, actually, because I thought about playing The Last of Us, the first one again, and I went through the same thing you went through, Jeff, in terms of mental uh, hurdles. Like, do I actually want to like, go through the pain and suffering of that game? Because it's beautiful in its own right. Sure. But it's something that kind of is a little close to home. Uh, and it's also something like, do I want to stream that to an audience, right? I'm trying to make them laugh a little bit here and there, too. So I can totally... Uh, vibe with that did you come to a conclusion on that did you decide not to or i decided to wait a couple months one because it's been delayed indefinitely uh and worst case scenario if i wanted to i could i could do some reruns and replay through it all because uh it's been a couple years i could just show my new audience because you always have new viewers but um i did talk about it with chat a little bit and they said they were slightly interested and to keep them posted basically hmm yeah, I mean, I, I, I the all of the news stories about this were like Last of Us Part Two delayed indefinitely. Also, Iron Man. Yeah, and, and Iron Man. So, some of them were not even mentioning Iron Man, which is really sad to me because I think, by all accounts, that game sounds amazing. People who've played it, I have not yet played any part of it, but people who have played it at, at shows and stuff have talked very highly of it, and I'm very excited for this game. Um, so you know, it's a little bit like a and also this one uh, in the news story because. Last of Us Part Two is such a huge mind share, but it does make me sad. And I'm, I mean, maybe the silver lining is that this is the same things can apply to an Iron Man VR game that, you know, Sony thinks they had to sell a lot of physical copies and they want to, you know, make this game 
a bigger deal for people. And I, I hope I hope they have high hopes for that game because I I certainly do. But it it makes me bummed out that I won't be playing Iron Man VR because I don't have the same kind of reservations content wise. <laughs> I would like to soar above a city and have have repulsor rays on my hands. You know that does sound like a fun escapism. So silver lining could this actually be uh, weird to say maybe decent PR for Iron Man VR. Just like, hey, that game that got delayed with The Last of Us 2, oh, that's coming out soon. Uh, yeah. I feel like PlayStation VR needs some wins. I, I don't know For about sure. you, Jeff, but when it comes to PS VR, it's something that I always think about last. Uh, I've only played two games on it, Resident Evil 7, and then uh, there was like a robot game that came with the demo. Uh, oh, did you play did you play Astrobot? I did not play it. Uh, Astrobot, that's the one with the little robots that you run around with the control stick and you have yeah, like, but yeah. did, you, did you play just the demo or did you play the full game? Just the demo. Oh, you got to play the full game, dude. Do You'll I? love it. Okay. You will love it. Also, uh, Blood and Truth is very good. All right. Maybe uh, I'll so give them a try. Don't overlook that game either. And there's a game called Dino Frontier that I love that's only on PlayStation VR. Um, what else? Anything I'm forgetting? Dino Frontier. Like? What did you say? What did, uh, isn't that what I said? Oh, Dino I Frontier, yeah. Okay, good. Dino Frontier. Um, but I don't know if there's any other exclusive. Are there any other exclusives I'm overlooking? But yeah, Astrobot Rescue Mission will make you very, very happy. Okay, so you, you got it. You, if you have PS, PSVR in your home, definitely, definitely do it's not. It's in hesitate. my closet, and I do love being a happy boy, so I will have to take your recommendation oh, and play it. <laughs> I cannot wait to see your tweet after you play it. Okay. You will, you will. It is so good. It is good. so good. Okay, well, April seventh, two p.m. It's okay. <laughs> i doubt that i doubt that. you you played astrobot christian you went gaga it, it's incredible too. but i just think it'd be funny if like jeff's just like on twitter just sees there's no context does he doesn't because <laughs> 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 you had a bad sandwich <laughs> <laughs> all right christian what is your story of the week well speaking of games i think everybody can play regardless of uh pandemic in terms of emotional state something that got me very excited and hopefully it's still happening it was just a leak uh to begin with but for the 35th anniversary of It's a Me, a Mario, um, the rumor is from multiple sources, Nintendo intends to remaster all of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. all, all, all of them, plus a new Paper Mario, and then like a super duper reworking of Super Mario 3D World. So I'm talking uh, Mario 64. I'm talking Galaxy. I'm talking Sunshine. And that's all I'm talking. But... <laughs> On the Switch, you're talking about remastering them for Switch. Yeah, that $60 Switch game that gets me excited, you know? Yeah. Just for yeah. clarification, these are all rumors still. We haven't gotten an actual official Nintendo. My Rumor uncle, supposedly- Tim, uh, my uncle, <laughs> comma, Tim, not Tim. I'm talking to my uncle whose name is also. <laughs> anyway, he works for Nintendo, and he, he said it's real. <laughs> this is a report from VGC. Multiple sources have confirmed uh, and evidently this was supposed to be announced at E3 2020, which is now not happening, but I assume there will be some sort of Nintendo Direct around that June time period. Um, so it says uh, it will continue. The company says said it will continue to be flexible and redirect efforts in uh, to other ways to keep people abreast of activities. Um, so I'm assuming that's going to be a Nintendo Direct. Um, but yeah, I would I would guess if, if we're going to take the grain of salt here. I would guess maybe not all of these, but man, just one or two of them would be big news in and of itself, wouldn't yeah. it? I mean, if you're looking at if you're looking at how good a job they did with um, Link to the Past, you know what I'm saying? Well, I just oh, want, Link's Awakening. I'm that fine. I mean, just, Link's Awakening. Excuse me. Yeah. I'm fine. With just yeah. HD re-releases. I don't need like I'll take a Super Mario 64. No, 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 no. 
No, 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 no. Let's. I want. Uh, I want Lakes Awakening style. Yep. Re- yes. Ground up remake. Beautiful for Switch of something like a Super Mario uh, Galaxy of something like a, a Sunshine or a Mario sixty four. Can you imagine Mario sixty four looking like? a beautiful switch game it'd be oh my so God. clean like i want that style i've been wanting it since uh the link awakening when that came out i've wanted both chrono trigger and mario rpg in that style oh, because yeah. i thought it was wonderful it made it it made it look like the older games but like revved it all up and it was perfect it really looked nice uh so i, I agree with you man if we can get those games just slightly tuned up oh they get my money day one yeah christian i would have i would have been on your page before i saw Link's Awakening, right? If 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 I didn't know that they were capable of doing that to an old game, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, just give me a you know oh. up res and make it look nice and look pretty, like they did with um, Ocarina for 3ds. Did they? Yeah, 3ds. Um, but man, we could get like these games feeling like new games. Uh, yes, but I would love that too. I want to be on, on the record here. Yes, that'd be incredible. But there's no way. You get three of those. That, that that's not celebrating an anniversary style release, right? Like that's the Mario game for the year. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? maybe it is though. Maybe it is. I know? just want Sunshine in HD, um, and I think that game was criminally criminally underrated. And the the bonus levels in that game, uh, in my opinion, are some of the best Mario levels. Um, the way they kind of throw back a little bit, but still kind of have some 3D control. I really, really enjoyed Sunshine back when it came out of the GameCube, and it was for this little system that time has forgotten, and a game that people have largely forgotten. I, that would make me very, very happy. Christian, well, that was going to be that was going to be my next question to you guys. If if you could only pick one of these to get the treatment, which oh. would which would you pick? So, uh, Christian, sounds like Sunshine would be your, your yeah. Pick. Galaxy and Galaxy Two, I, I remember Mario sixty four. I feel like I've played every eighteen months. You know, at least some levels of. I feel like Mar- Galaxy and Galaxy 2 would be the ones that would have the least huge leap of of wow, you know what I mean? Cuz obviously, you know, you're going to switch, it's better, but it's not as much of a big leap from something like a Mario 64. So I don't yeah. know how much that factors into the play of like seeing the a bigger, you know, contrast between what it was and what it is is kind of exciting. I don't know. What do you I think, think I think I would easily go Mario 64, mostly because the way that I've played Mario 64 uh, is either on the N64 back in the day when I was a young one. Uh, but recently when I've played it, it's been through emulators and it's it's clunky. It, it's really hard to play nowadays, especially with you going through so many steps. Uh, so getting an actual authentic experience that's been leveled up and feels smooth would be yeah. a sure win for me. Man, 64 would would be a pretty great game. I, you know, I was going to talk about this in the playlist, but it seems like a perfect time to talk about it now. Um, so my son, who's three and a half, uh, do, you know, we had all these plans in our minds about how we were going to be real strict about screens and stuff. And then, you know, quarantine happened and that's all slippery slope. You stuck way. to your guns. Congratulations. No <laughs> way, no. So what happened was I started – Listeners of the show will remember I mentioned uh, starting with the uh, Super NES Mini with my son. The very first video game he ever played was Super NES Mini, Super Mario World. We played some mini stuff. He, he got really into it. He was loving uh, Mario Kart and uh, F-Zero and Super Mario World. And he, and then just because it was kind of difficult, to, to the chords were too short and it was just annoying to play the, the SNES – 
I pulled out the switch and we started playing the switch and he gravitated right away. He, he's just locked on to Mario. Mario as a character has a universal appeal yeah. and he locked on to that. So we, I had Odyssey still, uh, still on my switch. So he played a bunch of Odyssey, you know, mostly was watching daddy play or him messing around. And then daddy, can you get me past this part? Or daddy, can you do this? Or daddy, I want to be a fish. I want to be a fish. And so I throw the hat on the fish and we become the fish, whatever it is. Daddy, I want to go to this. So we, you know, I, I revisited Odyssey quite a bit. And then when the whole quarantine thing happened, I went, you know, I don't want this kid on my switch all the time, but I do want to be able to him have a way to play more often than we have been letting him. And I realized, Hey, I still have my 3ds. I can just pull my 3ds out, charge it up. And I got a whole bunch of games that he can play. So that's what happened. I basically like hand me down him, my 3ds charged it. And I have super Mario 3d world, which we have also been playing through. And so I've played those games in close proximity. And I say all of that because I want to say something that I'm probably going to get a lot of emails about that probably won't be very popular. But I sincerely believe that Super Mario 3D Land is a better game than Super Mario Odyssey. I, For me, to me, it is a better Mario experience. I forgot how great a game Super Mario 3D Land is. It's awesome. Or Super Mario 3D World. Is Land that- is the portable. World is the Wii one. Or the Wii U one. Yeah, Super Mario Land is the 3DS, the original 3DS one. Uh, dude, I I love that game. It's so good. It's so – we're not even playing it with the 3D on, which I loved when the 3D was on when I played through it the first time. But I forgot how great all those levels are, how the suits work. Like I think Odyssey for me is a step backwards. And I know people will are going to lambast me for it, but I wonder what you guys think. Drixler, what do you think? I feel like you just made a really bold, bold, bold claim. Uh, (laughs) Here's the problem. I haven't put enough research and gameplay into Mario games to either fight you on it or defend you on this. All I know is that I played Odyssey and it was a fun freaking game. Uh, I agree. It's not it's not a bad. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It is a fun game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It is one of my least favorite Mario games. So, but I think this makes sense for how I understand you, Jeff, which is odd because not that I understand you, but some of your favorite games are these big open subnautica, get lost, experience the world, be in a place. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But Skyrim, the Witcher. Yeah. There was another side of you and maybe it's just games you used to play. And, and I'm trying to think of others, but there are certain games that, the openness, I think, pushes you away from them. And 3D Land is a fantastic game. I, I truly love it. But it is also much more focused. And uh, linear is not the exact right word, but maybe that's the better word. Even within its level design, it's very much a 3D, 2D Mario game, if that makes sense. And I think one of the best. I I, I would say that I think Land is better than World um, and that it's tighter. It does what it does better. Odyssey is huge and beautiful and there's not necessarily a clear goal like so much of that game is after you've finished air quote the game um and like everywhere you go there's a secret and a thing and so it's it has all of these things that you say you love in other games but i think for whatever reason when nintendo games go that route 
they tend to push you away a little bit. And the two I can think of would be Odyssey and um, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. And oh, I think gosh, yeah. those games to you, you, you've played them for so long and so much of your life, you've identified what this game is, what this franchise is to you. And so it totally makes sense to me that 3D Land clicks for you in a way that Odyssey did not. The same way that the 3DS Zelda game, um, we go onto the wall and flat, really good. Yeah, I think that is a link to the uh, no link, link, whatever it is. Oh um, gosh, but a beautiful yeah. game, and that clicked with you. Spirit Tracks, all those games, I loved all those games, and, and that all clicked, the DS ones. Yeah, that clicked with you, but the 3DS one you liked better than um, Breath of the Wild. So it totally makes sense to me. I, I'm not going to sit here and say your opinions wrong. I would say that you're I prefer accusing honesty. me of an old dog. New, you're accusing me of old dog new trick stuff, right? You're saying I'm just old and no, 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 no. I'm saying you have preferences for those franchises, and that's always going to happen. I mean, I'm sure there are people that like God of War one better than God of War 2018, right? That's a risk a franchise takes when it reinvents itself. I I prefer Odyssey. I think my favorite Mario game is probably Galaxy Two. After that, Super Mario World. But Odyssey, to me, I, I prefer Overland. But to say that Land is a bad game, you know, that it, it, Land is an incredible, incredible game. Let I me mean, ask you, the, go, go ahead. Well, let me ask you a question, Jeff. When, when you're playing like Odyssey or these uh, 2D platformers, we'll just call them these. Do you feel like you're progressing in these 3D worlds, like in Mario Odyssey, um, compared to the Mario Super Mario worlds that you play on 2Ds? Because for me, I, I always felt like in Mario Odyssey. It was just so big that I was never ever beating it, but I was having fun. But I feel like on platformers like Donkey Kong Two and then Super Mario World, I'm beating these games and I can feel progression. Maybe that's part of it. I think that probably plays a part of it. I just feel like the the aesthetic of of Odyssey it, it just felt less. It felt all over the place to me, um, and. You know, Mario is all over. I mean, he becomes a cat, right? He becomes sure. a raccoon. He becomes all these things. And that's all over the place in its own way. But like New Donk City and, you know, these the, – the I can't remember the name of the, the, the pinata-looking sand place. And it just felt like the des- design aesthetic was just weirdly off-putting to me. And it didn't feel like I'm in a Mario game. And it didn't feel like – and again – Props to them for pushing the envelope and trying new things, but oh, you know, I, I, I push back. The only thing I would push back against for you, Christian, uh, your point, Christian, is, is that not in my lower back, like right there. No, I, I social distancing. Dude, oh right? yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, the thing I would push back against is the idea that 3D Land wasn't a departure. Like it is a very different kind. Of, I mean, it, maybe it's not as different in the sense that. Like Trix was saying, there's still progression. You're still going through a world that has a start and an end. And there's optional stuff along the way, but it's not like, hey, explore these nooks and crannies and collect moons. Um, I think Mario Odyssey to me feels like a whole bunch of mini games stuck in a world. You know, like this moon is a little mini game where I go and I do this thing. And I don't know. I'm, maybe it is just old dog new, new tricks, but I feel like 3D Land was a big departure like all the top down stuff and uh how it's all presented it it, it is different i think structurally it's very it's similar to what mario games had become super mario world mario 3 and those games visual but then what i think it did really well is that it was a 3d version of a 2d game if that makes sense and and that's kind of why i want to see sunshine again because the bonus levels in sunshine were very much in that 
um, similar style too, but they were difficult and I really enjoy it. I think it's great, but it has a lava snow, you know, it, it, it hits all the high notes and it does it really, really well. So yeah, I'm not going to argue that land is a bad game, but I understand why Odyssey, you know, is perhaps more people's favorites than, than land is. Also, the, the other thing I would say to bolster my case is that I did not feel that way about Galaxy and Galaxy 2. Like Galaxy and Galaxy 2, I think are genius. I think that that, that concept, putting Mario on these tiny planets and having him, ro- like it is so different, but it, I, I prefer those games to Odyssey any day of the week. I think that they feel more Mario to me. They're, I think they're more inventive and interesting than these big open worlds of Odyssey. I don't know. So what's I, I, the what's our email address? DLC feedback yeah, at gmail.com. Fight me, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. No, I guess. no, polite discussions. Polite Yeah, discussion. we accept you, Jeff. It's fine. As, polite as me. Opinion. Yeah. Polite me. That's that's what I asked for. Um, all right. Well, there's a lot of great stories to still talk about, but there's no one that is my story of the week more than Rogue Legacy 2 announced. I'm so excited for Rogue Legacy 2. Okay, Jeff, let me turn the the entire script on you here and let me ask you, why are you so excited for Rogue Legacy 2? Is it was it your first roguelike like in light? It was. Okay. It, Rogue Legacy was the roguelite that made me fall in love with roguelites. Okay. It really I honestly thought it was a genre not for me until I played that game and now I play all of them. I I love I love the genre because of that game. Like it turned, it turned me around on the fact that I, it Christian can attest to this. I think it's become my favorite genre or in the top two or three favorite genres of, I play more roguelites now than almost anything. I'll talk about another one. It's roguelites, our, VR and third person action games. <laughs> that's really, that's me. And you know, RPGs, you know, that's, that's, that's my, that's my jam. That's amazing. Um, but did you, did you say that because you do not think rogue? Legacy was a good game? No, actually, because I have a similar opinion to you. I think with roguelikes, card games, and RPGs, the first game that hooks you in is one of your favorites, and you're excited for the sequel. For RPG, it it was Kingdom Hearts. I think Kingdom Hearts is actually a pretty bad RPG compared to all the (laughs) other RPGs that I've played, but it (laughs) has a special place in my heart. And it got me on this path of playing other RPGs and showed me the world. It it was was my gateway drug, right? Uh, The same with roguelikes my first one that finally got me on this curve because i tried rogue legacy it was okay i enjoyed it i tried uh a couple of other roguelikes i think i even tried slay the spire a little bit but the one that pulled me in and then opened the world to me was dead cells and now Mm, every single roguelike i play i love and compared to dead cells so i I was wondering why you were so excited about this one in particular uh and that's why it's because it opened up the world for you It's true. I mean, I loved Dead Cells, but I probably never would have given that game the time of day if I hadn't played Rogue Legacy. I would have looked at Dead Cells and gone, "Eh, it's just not for me. Mm. Uh, Because I'm not one of those guys that likes to punish myself with games that are hard or or I die a lot or, you know, I I tend to not really like to put myself through that kind of stuff. I like to feel like I'm exploring and I'm doing things. And I, I didn't think that roguelikes were were my jam because I felt like the whole idea of them was like, Oh, you're going to die a thousand times and it's going to be so rough. And, and I, and rogue legacy was the game where I went, Oh, dying is an opportunity. Dying is lets me unlock a new tactic. Like the whole idea of the legacy part of rogue legacy is the next time you start the game after you die is you play a descendant 
of the character you had been playing. And that descendant now has new traits that maybe can help you, maybe makes it harder, but certainly makes it different and interesting. And I went, oh, that is so fun. It it, it takes the sting out of dying because now dying is this is this new offer. It's like, oh, hey, look, look what you can choose from now because you died. So, I mean, that's the game that that did it. I, I will say the um the the news bit of this is that they uh, Cellador Games put out the tease for Rogue Legacy Two on April Fool's Day, which had me a little nervous. I'll be honest, but I kind of love the fact that kind of let's take back April Fool's Day and not make it for for fake things. Let's just actually announce a, a cool thing on April Fool's Day, and you know. Yeah, we can actually have real news on April Fool's Day. I like that, the kind of moxie of that decision. Um, so I'm super excited about this. Christian, I can't remember your stance on Rogue Legacy. I know you didn't love it as much, quite as much as I did, but did you, were you I, into it? I really liked it. It, it didn't, I think also Rogue Legacy fell at a really great place for you where one, you loved it. And two, you brought a laptop with you on a flight to Australia. Uh- <laughs> yes. And I played it the entire time, both directions. Which, yes. is, which is perfect. And for me, I forget exactly when it came out, but I think I waited for Switch release. I forget. Um, and, and so what I'm excited about Rogue Legacy 2 is the thing that held me back of loving Rogue Legacy 1 the most was its art style. Didn't it click for me? It, it kind of felt like Ghosts and Goblins a little bit and like how you kind of ran and jumped. And for whatever reason, like I love retro art, clearly Celeste and, and Dead Cells and um, all the others. But for whatever reason, Rogue Legacy 1's art didn't click and it looks like Rogue Legacy 2 is going to maybe have a, a different art style. And so that has me very excited because I, I, I like the concept of the game and I'm excited to to give the sequel a chance. My question is, and I think it's my question for all of these games in this genre, is, is how and how do you sequel? And I'm very curious to see what Splunky 2 does as well because when you have a game that's built upon replaying it, replaying it, replaying it, daily challenges, like the, the first game is so well, I don't know what I want from a sequel yet. So I'm, I'm excited to be surprised. Well, here are some bullet points that have me very excited. <laughs> uh, one is uh, lots of sort of building up your manner, many, you know, a, a sort of um, strategic layer that I don't think the first one really tapped into. I, there was some of that where you would hire new people and give you, they gave you things, but it seems that uh, you can, you can, they've gone farther with that idea. Uh, also they're saying, Lots of classes. So there really weren't very many classes in the first game. It says uh, every class, and there's a lot, now have their own unique set of armaments. That's pretty cool. Uh, It says take down uh, foes from afar with your bow as a nimble ranger or get up close with a massive battle axe as the barbarian. So there's a little of that in the first one. It sounds like they're blowing that way out. Castle permanence, which is brand new. The idea, it says it's a roguelike where bosses stay dead. Which is shocking to me. Right? That's the entire point of roguelikes. You get so good at reading their moves that you start farming the bosses so you can get stronger gear and advance to the end game. So how do they change the progression loop? I'm fascinated by that decision. I think that's really an interesting thing to put out there right now because does that mean there's just way more bosses? Does that mean – what does that mean? I'm, I'm intrigued and excited by that. And then this other idea that the last bullet point, it says stack runes. Runes can now stack to infinity. It'll take a while, but if you wanted to have penta jump, 
and lifesteal <laughs> and hyperspeed, you can. Penta jump. So I it mean, sounds like they're just going full bonkers. That's how they're going to Sneakle. We know what you enjoy. Have at it. Go yeah. crazy. Yeah, the entire box of candy, just go. I, I, so when I, you finally I, get Penta jump, the ceiling will only be like one jump above your head the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm very excited. It sounds like we're getting it this summer. Uh, so Rogue Legacy 2 has been in development. It's coming this summer. Um, couldn't come at a better time. Please just give I, I want this game. I will play the, the living bejesus out of this game while I'm uh, stuck in quarantine. Ugh. I hope uh, there's no, no word on if it's only a Steam game. I think it probably will start just PC, but it would be awesome if they released it on Switch day and date. Um, kind of I feel like a lot of these games go early access and then go wide yeah, later. Speaking of early access, have you guys, speaking of Rolex as well, ha- have you guys played the masterpiece that is Hades? Have you played uh, yes. that? I love it. Yes. Okay, I, okay. Yes. It sounds like a game that would be right in your wheelhouse. Uh, it is. I came to it very late. I it's not foolishly out yet. told. Yeah, I foolishly <laughs> told myself very late. It's still in early access. Well, but that, that's what I was going to say is I foolishly told myself that I would wait until it was actually released, quote unquote, actually released to play it. And then people are like, no, 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 dude, it, it's great right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so then I bought it and it's true. It's great right now. And it keeps having great updates. And yes, it's in early access, but it's very polished and spectacular. So I love it. But there's a lot of competition. In fact, uh, games we'll be talking, I will be talking about in, uh, the playlist include include a new one that is interesting for that reason as well. But first, let me thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh goodness, I love talking about Squarespace. What better time to launch a website? Uh, you, nobody can go to your physical store if you have one. Uh, why not have a website? You got to have an online presence. Maybe start a blog with your time now. Maybe publish content, sell products online. Whatever the case, no time in our history has made it more apparent that we should all have an online presence. And you don't have to learn HTML. You don't have to hire an expensive web designer to have an awesome looking website because Squarespace has the tools to make it yourself. It's easy. It's easy, 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 simple stuff. I recommend this all the time to friends and family and have done for a decade because Squarespace is just the best in the business at making it simple, making it uh, have all of the things that you want. If you want e-commerce, it's just drag and drop, blop. You just plop it on your website. You can sell anything online, easy functionality, just drop right in. You can uh, customize look and feel. So simple. You can make a great looking website. Uh, everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box. So you don't even have to worry about that. It's got built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting. And there's never anything to patch or upgrade. That's all handled in the background for you. It's simple. Plus, if you run into any problems, 24-7 award-winning customer support makes it simple. So make it yourself with Squarespace. Why don't you check out squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Get yourself that free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code Jeff sent me to save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. They also sell domains with over 200 extensions that's crazy again squarespace.com slash jeff sent me it's all one word j-e-f-f-s-e-n-t-m-e and the promo code jeff sent me all one word again and you'll get yourself 10 percent off All right, we have got a lot of games to talk about. Trixel, let's start with you. 
What's on your playlist? Oh boy, how many games am I allowed to talk about? <laughs> like, I, hey, you know what? We got time. Let's okay. let's dive in. What do you, what, what do you love? I know we're in quarantine, but uh, the one bright light right now, honestly, is that we have a ton of awesome games to play right now, and there's a wide variety of them. That's uh, for sure. Uh, one that I completed last week, week and a half ago, Ori and the Will of the Wisp was a sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. Wonderful Metrovania. Uh, a game that improved upon its previous game. That game was absolutely w- wonderful. Stunning, gorgeous, great boss fights. Combat system was improved. I don't know if you guys were able to pick it up or not, but it was oh, yeah. a heart wrencher as well. This yes. game was something that I was expecting to be disappointed with, to be honest with you, because the first one was so good. I was like, okay, they, they can't make it better. And somehow they've made a s- successful sequel that I was proud to play. It was wonderful. I agree. We've been talking about this game. It is so good. And I, I've i said a couple of weeks now that I, I kind of bounced off the first one. I didn't fall in love with it. But man, I, I feel actually guilty now because I love this one so much. Mm-hmm. And it is it, like you said, the story actually <clears throat> moves you and is, is really beautifully told. It feels like a, a wonderful animated show or movie. Uh, and the the challenge is there. The great level design is there. It's got everything you could possibly want. It's for sure on my short list of my top five games of the year. No, no sure. doubt. I think I agree with you. I mean, what about you, Christian? Did you try it at all? I did. I, I really liked it. I ended up falling off of it sooner than I thought I would, only because of all of the games that came out um, sure, yeah. in March. So it's, it's on my I need to go back to it game. And I'm playing it on an Xbox. I started it on an Xbox One S and I had a, a decent amount of performance issues on it. Um, I should just play the it S. on my... What? The S is for stutter. Yes, it's just, just, just a, yep. Um, I should just play it on my PC, but for whatever reason, like, I want to play this on the big TV so my kids can watch. And they loved it. They, that was the game they kept asking me to play until this little game called Animal Crossing came out. And then I think Ori died in their hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Ori who? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, Ori, I'll name my island Ori. (laughs) And then, uh, on top of that, I have three games I'm in the middle of playthroughs on right now. Uh, one is actually, I w- wanted to thank you, Jeff, because I saw you do some DMing work for your dungeon show that you've been doing. And I decided to finally start trying to approach uh, D&D. Um, nice. I had some friends that were doing some actual games where they were doing the actual D&D playthroughs, but I want to do something that I could stream. Uh, and my friend has been bothering me for years to play Divinity 2. I finally yes. hopped into it. And it took about three hours. But once that three-hour mark hit, I am so invested in this game. I have a glass cannon ranger. I get CC'd every other fight, but I love every moment I die. I have two teammates that heal me and tank, and I look for every type of advantage I can by jumping on top of roofs and just sniping people. I Ugh. love this RPG, and I'm, I, I, I am so surprised at how many ways I can play the game, even though I have one character and it has replayability. I, I can't wait to make another character. I'm already thinking about it. Dude, that's so great. Yes, I, I, I love this game as well. And I, I've been saying to people, people have, have asked me, uh, you know, what about, what is your recommendation for, you know, like remote Dungeons and Dragons play? And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of really cool options, Roll20 and, and all these other things. But I have been recommending Divinity Original Sin 2 to people because it handles so much of it for you. It's got the the story there, so you don't need a DM. And it it is that Dungeons and Dragons experience. It really is. It gives you so much of that freedom that D and D is famous for. I'm so glad you 
are playing it like that. That's awesome. I think I'm uh, 45 hours into it, and I think we're only about halfway through Act 2 right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're about 10 to 11 episodes in. Like, it's a great, I, I don't want to say time waster, but it's a great way to fill your time if you want to run a campaign with friends, it's all online. I, I can't stop selling it to people. I'm so glad that uh, people like yourself have convinced me to go down the D&D route finally. Uh, oh, man. I'm great. so invested. Yeah, it, it really handles the co-op nature of being in a party in some really smart ways, too. Like how everybody can influence how a, how a, a, a discussion goes, how a, how a um, dialogue moment goes and how you can all have your own freedom to do what you want. And it, it is, yeah, it's remarkable and, and very cool. I'm so glad you're playing it, man. That's awesome. Seriously. And the best part too is uh Baldur's gate three is being worked on by the development team. Yeah. So if you want to kind of get a sense of what Baldur's gate three is going to be like another w- reason for you to pick up this game. Yeah. Okay. That's Divinity original sin two. Yep, and it's it's amazing. The other ones is a little bit more of a arcadey ridiculousness. Doom Eternal uh, is a wonderful follow up to the Doom that came out in 2018. Uh, rip and tear all over the place. Maybe not something to play in front of your kids. Uh, so maybe maybe hide that one. Um, but it improved upon some of my small complaints from Doom, which was I felt like some of the animations redundant. It constantly happened. Um, it did add a little bit more platforming, which I was a little bit wary on, but the game's come full circle about six hours into it, and Doom Eternal is a great follow-up to the first game. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, one of the things we haven't really talked about when we talk about that game is how fun the music is yeah. and how it like it kicks in just as you want it to, and you feel like you're hitting your groove of just doing that cool rock, paper, scissors thing of like, I need ammo. Now I need, now I need health. Now I need uh, shields. And now I need, you know, and it's like, and you're just like, yeah, I'm in it. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm a God. You know, it's, it's pretty great. Have you guys, have you played it at all? Either of you? Oh yeah. Uh, did, did you play the level where it's literally a buildup for like 30 minutes of the rock music? You're wanting it to hit and it just never fully plays until you do the boss fight at the end. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that level. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible the sound design going into that and how they were able to toe that line of not being annoying but continuously hyping you up through an entire level. Like everyone yeah, when, it, that level. when it crashes in, yep. it's like, oh, we're doing it! You're just <laughs> like your, your knuckles are white, you know? It's awesome. Yeah, that, it's a great game. Wonderful stuff. And then I think you talked about this one, uh, Christian, uh, Control DLC. Did you have that uh, as a game that you were looking at as well? Yeah, it is... Um... Oh, I mean, right now, one of my favorite games of the year. Just that standalone DLC. I, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but I think it's absolutely incredible. I think it hits all the things that you had in the first control and goes a little bit more wilder, which I think is something that if you like the first control, you'll love this DLC. Uh, it explores the creative nature of all these weird relics, these items coming out of different worlds and what you are doing as a... Uh, well, not leader. What's the word of it? I'm looking director. For director. Yes, the director of this company. Uh, they've added a couple of extra abilities that have made this game feel a little bit more fluent as well. I, I think they've nailed it out of the park. I'm only halfway through it. I need to play a little bit more. Um, but if you liked the haunted maze section that was in the first game, uh, where you put on the headphones and go through this maze and fly around and the music is playing, they have found a sequel to that, not to spoil anything, but there is a entire segment that rivals what you played in the first game so yeah you're talking about uh i'll just use the names the ashtray maze which jeff yes play and then in the dlc there is a uh side mission called swift platform 
that is absolutely exquisite if that's what you're talking about and it's another yes, perfect song, marriage of, of music and gameplay um and done in a way that totally works within the world of control but also is so ridiculous that it just doesn't make any sense um but again it's another testament to how well thought out that world is where i'm going to be very vague here but like your aspect ratio changes like everything that should happen in that moment to sell the world the way this thing would happen does happen. And if you found the collectibles leading up to that moment, it's explained beautifully to justify other memos you find in the world and and why they mean what they mean. It's, it's just truly extraordinary. Swift platform. And I I highly recommend it seeking out that, side piece at side mission and playing it if, if you're playing through the foundation and control it's it's so well done yeah you really should i feel like that's something that you should heed as advice no matter what if you're playing control explore look yes. around collect things that game rewards you so much for just looking around gives you tidbits about the world that you're into uh, i would argue that if you are not wanting to look around and collect it maybe not even pick up the game which is weird to say just because they've done such a good job of building a world that seems re- or seems readable and makes sense uh to a point where like if you don't check out all that stuff you're gonna feel like you played a shell of a game because it's so well fleshed out it is one of the rare games where i get more excited to hold down like option or whatever to read the memo i just picked up as i do to come across an awesome like combat encounter like i'll be honest in doom eternal i haven't read any of those i don't know what they are doom runes i don't know what they are to take away from the action yeah lore, lore shiny lore stores i just want i just want to get into that next kill box uh control i love the flow missing, of combat uh, finding out about how on mars there was that one day when all the demons came <laughs> i mean you say that it might be great i'm, I'm not great it, it might be great i honestly have not read it so if you told me that it was great i'd believe you um but for whatever reason i'm not compelled to do that in that game with control i am literally just excited to find a tape recorder uh, a video, like video reel, a piece of paper on the ground as I am to walk into a space and be like, oh, we're going to have an epic fight in this space. Like, I love everything about Control. Well, Trixler, you have kept the game, the two games that I'm most excited to hear about to the end. So uh, I'm, I'm very much anticipating you talking about which one of these two next. Why don't you bring it up? Which one do you want to hear about first? Well, let's I, start with the- Let's start with Resident Evil 3 because okay. I haven't I haven't played it at all and it seems to have really polarized a lot of people online. Um, people that loved the Resident Evil 2 remake last year maybe feel like this one, because Resident Evil 3 is a very different game than Resident Evil 2 was, mm. maybe are, are disappointed. And then other people I've heard really love this remake. So where do you come down? I will say as a streamer, Resident Evil 3 is fantastic. It gives you this gripping narrative that pulls you right into the action. There is no slowdown puzzles and whatnot that you're used to from Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2. The puzzles are quick, they're not hard to figure out, and you're moving through the game at light speed. I, I would say I'm halfway through it, and I'm only about two and a half hours through the game. Whoa. Uh, I think I think my next stream, I'm going to be done with it. Wow. Um, yeah. and Speed run. Yeah, it's, it's really quick, and I'm not <laughs> a god-tier gamer. I mean, I have moments, but <laughs> overall, I'm pretty average. Uh, so that kind of gives you an idea of how quick you can get through it. So I can see why people are a bit upset 
It feels like some of those puzzles and those backtracking things that you're used to from Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2 uh, that were beautifully displayed in both of the remasters are not here for Resident Evil 3. Um, and there's also a thing, too, that I find really annoying. Um, when you die, you, usually it pops up and there's a menu that says, do you want to load back in the game? Yes or no? Uh, what this game does instead is says, oh, you've died. Do you want assisted mode? And it's like, wait a minute, what's assisted mode? Assisted mode gives you auto-aim for auto-headshots, gives you an assault hmm. rifle right in the middle of your bank that you can go pick up, and lowers the difficulty of the game. Wow. So to ask you that every single time, and I said no the first couple of times, and then just out of frustration the third time that I died, I hit yes. And now I'm running on super easy mode in the game, in a game that oh, I no. thought was already pretty standard. And I can't revert it either, uh, which oh, is that's annoying. Crazy. Um, so there are some things with it overall that can be frustrating, but I still think it's a great remaster. Like I'm having a blast playing it. Sure, I'm running through it quickly, but as a content creator, it's perfect for what I'm trying to do. Entertain the people that are watching and just have a fun time, which it nails in that regard. Christian, I know you were all over Resident Evil 2. You loved it. It was on your top five, I think, last year. I feel like you're not into even trying Resident Evil 3. Uh, so this is my, not quite, you know, my 3d land is better than an, uh, Odyssey moment, but, <laughs> uh, I love resident evil. You've heard me talk about it a lot on this show. Big, big fan GameCube, you know, the Capcom five. Uh, I love resident evil. I love it so much. Resident evil three has never had a place in my heart. And I don't know why. I don't know if like in my youth, it came out at a time when like, my brother had the PlayStation and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Code Veronica, giddy up. Uh, <laughs> Resident Evil 3, it's, it's weird. It's just, I have no affinity for it. And I and part of my personal, like, I'm not jumping right into this game, is that I feel like 2 took one of the best parts of 3 as someone who doesn't love 3. so But like, they gave me the nemesis already, right? And they did it so well in 2 that because I don't have an affinity for Resident Evil 3 and I feel like I got a taste of that ever-present dread and fear and this thing's going to track me down and kill me and they gave it to me in one of the best games of last year, which was also one of the best Resident Evils and they updated it so masterfully that I, I don't know why. Yeah, I have no desire to play it. Also, you know, I'm still trying to keep my nose above water from all the incredible games that came out in March. But yeah, I have I have no desire to play RE3, and, and and I don't know why really. Well, I don't either, but I I know why. <laughs> I just am not. I'm just not. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a horror game right now. Although you know, basically Half Life Alex is horror game, so I guess I'm a hypocrite. But yeah, <laughs> yeah and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm super glad that you're digging it, Trixler, because. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I've heard mixed about it. Her universal praise for for two remake, and then three remake comes out, and people are like, "What?" And I think that may be more people that didn't understand or didn't remember how different three is from two, which is quite quite different. Yeah, I kind of look at it as just like it's a different game with the name uh, of Resident Evil, and I didn't play the first Resident Evil three, so I, I sadly don't have that comparison available to me. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say this is kind of a topic that I feel like comes up a lot. Uh, I think uh, more people are not liking games that are short, uh, like five to six hours. Like even from you guys, when I mentioned I'm almost halfway through this game, you were like, "Oh, interesting. That's short." And it's a sixty dollars game. It's really expensive. 
for me, I don't really care as long as I'm invested for that five to six hours. The moment that a game starts to drag is the moment that I just quit it. Uh, a situation that's happened to me with was Alien Isolation. I thought Alien Isolation was a wonderful game. I, the AI of the alien was so scary. It learned from me the entire time. And then I'm like eight hours into the game, and I'm like, okay, it's getting it's getting a little old. Uh, I would rather have a confined experience that just gives me my $60 worth, finish the game, and then move on to the next one. Because uh, we have so many good games nowadays. No, you're, you're right. We actually have a, a frequent contributor and friend to the show uh, by the name of Danish who has come on and, and said his philosophy is play as much of the game as is fun. And then move on and don't feel guilty about not finishing the game. So we call that danishing a game. You can okay. finish a game or you can danish a game. And sometimes I, you just danish a game and that, and you still you still got something really valuable out of it. You still feel like, yeah, that was time well spent and money well spent, hopefully, be, because you got that four to five hours of, of great entertainment. And then you move on and you don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. I mean, I stand with danish, man. Danish yeah. all day. So say we all. So say we all. But now I really want to get to the thing that is tempting me to throw my life down a rabbit hole. Battlegrounds? Hearthstone Battlegrounds. Is it, is it good? I love Hearthstone Battlegrounds. Uh, the only time I didn't like it was with, during the Demon meta, uh, which is funny because uh, I mentioned I play Battlegrounds when I'm doing cardio. Uh, I noticed that I actually had a low <laughs> uh, amount of running that month that <laughs> the Demons <laughs> came out. I just stopped working out, um, which is pretty funny. Uh, but this current meta, it's a little high in lethality uh, in terms of dragons because dragons came out. Uh, 18 cards were added. A couple were removed from Battlegrounds overall. But now, Dragons, if you get to the late game and you get a Razor Gore, you just get knocked for health. I'm getting hit for 25 to 35 damage sometimes uh, if I don't play my board right, uh, which can be a little frustrating. But overall, I feel like the game has a really good flow to it. I feel like you can play multiple tribes. Uh, I, I kind of compare it to Blackjack a little bit, um, where I feel like sometimes I can do intelligent gambling in order to be able to pull out a win, because you want to, of course, land the top four in Battlegrounds. Yeah. Uh, and I easily, if I could, if my stream didn't yell at me, I would play it for six hours a day. I, I totally agree with you about going down this rabbit hole of playing it. Uh, I try to keep it down to about two hours every stream. Um, well, but- I don't know if I don't know if everybody listening knows that this mode is basically like a really small battle royale. It's auto chess. Game. It's auto chess for it's auto chess. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's why I haven't even tried it. I I keep looking at it like oh, I'm gonna love this. I think I'm gonna love this, and I don't even know if I'm gonna. It, this is is this the only mode you play now? Or are you still arena? That's it. That? Um, yeah. I for for people aware, just for context, uh, I played Hearthstone in vanilla, and then when GVG came out, I was like, nope, too much RNG, not for me. Uh, and I just stopped playing, and I kept an eye on it because I got friends that cast it and whatnot, but I never really got back into it. And it's funny that I've come back to this mode because some would say this is more RNG than the regular mode. Uh, but I do feel like there's a lot of sense control once you learn the game and understand the flow of your tribe builds that you can make it and play it as a game that makes sense and you can put skill actually into it. Hmm. Man, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I feel that call to me, but I feel like it's going to it's gonna suck me in in a way just, that I'm just not. Just play a couple for. games, one or two. You're <laughs> just fine, try, Jeff. Just, uh, just try this little free and sample it, here. If you want to play more, you don't need sleep. It's fine, yeah, right, dude. Just right. one more game. <laughs> So that's Hearthstone Battlegrounds. Uh, you know, it'll help you get your cardio, evidently. There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's uh, we, let's take a second and thank our second sponsor before we move on to Christian's playlist. Uh, I want to thank um, ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN. 
I've been using well before they ever sponsored us. I was using it for a year and a half before they ever even sponsored us. Uh, and we all know that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, but there's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. And, you know, now that we're all stuck at home, uh, maybe you've uh, you've run the course on Netflix in your country. Maybe American Netflix for me, for example, uh, doesn't have some of the cool stuff. Maybe you want to watch Doctor Who on UK Netflix. It's simple. All you do is you fire up ExpressVPN app, you change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, boop, now you're in UK Netflix. Do you like anime? Do you want to watch Japanese Netflix and, and watch all the anime on Japanese Netflix? Simple. Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix. It's not just Netflix either. You can use it for uh, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, any of the streaming services, you name it, ExpressVPN works through their app. And uh, there are hundreds of VPNs out there. The reason I use ExpressVPN is because it's so fast. Honestly, that is why I chose it before they were ever a sponsor. I chose ExpressVPN over a year and a half ago because I realized a lot of VPNs can slow you down. ExpressVPN does not do that. Uh, they are so fast, uh, never buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. So ExpressVPN, get it on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. You can watch it on any personal device. And if you visit the special link, expressvpn.com slash DLC right now, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. I need to do that because I, I would like, I've been paying for it for a year and a half. Support the show, watch what you want and protect yourself with ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash DLC. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash DLC. All right, Christian, what is on your playlist? Well, it's been a bunch of the same stuff. Um, Animal Crossing, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Um, my youngest daughter now has her own a villager as well in the island. My wife has added a villager onto the island. Our island is bumping. This is multiple switches? No, 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 no. This is one switch, shared island. We're all in the same shared Whoa. space. How do Whoa. you do it? <laughs> um, the, the knock I will put against the game is I do not like it. I think it's called like party mode, like m- multiple people on the same switch um, at the same time isn't great where it's like one person is the leader and the leader is the only person that basically has their pockets and can kind of do anything um, of substance. It feels like, and then everybody else like jumps to them. If that person runs too far out of the screen, like I appreciate that mode is there and you can change leader fairly quickly. um, But it's still frustrating. Like if we all live on that Island and we all want to go cut something down, like, I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, it's Nintendo, I guess is the answer, but I understand like I, why I can't talk to Tom and work on the things I'm working on and go into my house. It's, it's odd. Um, the game itself remains, uh, just a dream, just a, just a perfect little game. Um, I think my favorite part about it is based on my oldest daughter who's seven is the lead player right now on the platform. And it, it's incredible one as a reading tool. Uh, in terms of like encouraging her to read and, and in a way that's fun and engaging that we are, you know, it's home. Everyone's a homeschooling now. Um, and, and two, I think it really teaches, I'm hoping um, something that 
video games are often thought of about teaching the opposite. And it's that continued dopamine of like, do this thing, get this thing, do this thing, get this thing. But I feel like Animal Crossing has it paced pretty dang well, where when it's time to turn it off, there's going to be something that she feels like she's close to finishing. And I think it's a good, important life lesson, uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com, to to learn now of like, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. There's always something you're not getting. You have to stop. Learn. <laughs> you, have, you have to stop. And like games get really good at that. Games today are better at it than they've ever been, right? Like one more thing, tap this to do this, you know, click this to do this, turn in the stick to get the, it's, there's, they want to keep you playing. And I think learning. My favorite thing about this is that you started off saying animal crossing won't stop. Can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you started. <laughs> no. I, oh, believe me. I know there's a reason why we all have our own characters now. Um, <laughs> but I think it's good to learn that early and to regulate it. And when we talk about what it is, um, back when Chris Quintos and I, she and I did the department of parenting podcast, one of my favorite episodes that we talked about was the idea of um saying saying no in moments and 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 what that teaches and and how that can reinforce positive habits and learning how to control yourself and i think animal crossing can help teach that um and 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 it's i like the way that it paces itself and i like the way too that it doesn't matter that my youngest daughter is just now trying to build a, a net or a flimsy axe. And the person online that I follow that is, you know, whoever, pick your person that's like an Animal Crossing deity, they also are one away from something, right? Like there's no there's no end to it, which is what I find very beautiful. It's like, oh, this person has this incredible house. Wow. Yeah. And they're not done, right? Like it's just like they're still working for their next best thing, and you're working for your best thing, and you can play it communally, and you don't feel like you're left behind. At least I don't feel that way with like my cousins and their their nieces and nephews, and 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 I don't know. I really really enjoy it for what it is, especially in the world we're in right now. Um, Animal Crossing's a real treat. Um, but what I want to talk about the new thing that I am playing that I kind of found in in the most beautiful of ways. Um, there's a demo for a game that's coming out later. It's called Art of Rally, A-R-T of Rally, uh, like Rally Car. And I found it through uh, Stephen Danton's Twitter feed. They, uh, He's half of the team making Unto the End, which is a game uh, we talked about after last year's E3, Jeff, where um, it's it's coming to ID at Xbox. They just had a recent trailer for that. Um, we were chatting on Twitter. I thought that looked really cool. They do a little breakdown of what Unto the End is. And then I'm scrolling through his Twitter feed and he has a retweet of this game, Art of Rally. And I was like, this looks right up my my alley. I got to check it out. There's a demo out. I played it on my my Mac. It's, I think, Steam, Mac. I think it's coming to everything, but the, the demo is PC and, and, and Mac right now. And it is a top-down, isometric, beautiful, I don't mean this in a derivative way, but like it feels kind of like the color palette of like the unity game that you can kind of picture in your head right now. Um, it reminds me of firewatch looking at it right now. Yeah. yeah. It has some, yeah, yeah, it has some firewatch vibes, really cool, beautiful colors. And it is it, just in the demo. I think it's two cars, four cars, two tracks. It's difficult. Like it's, it's a rally game. Um, and kind of how they're touting it is because of the isometric perspective. You don't need to have someone calling out your, 
what's coming ahead because you can see ahead. So it's different. That's kind of what it's bringing to the genre or typical rally. If you're in the car driving in real life or in a race game, your view can never get that far behind you. And so much of rally is um, elevation changes, sharp turns, you know, you're going up a hill, down a hill, you're on dirt, you're on concrete for a little bit. And this shift in perspective to like old school micro machines or what was the motor storm game on uh, Vita, the RC motor storm game. Which oh I yeah. What was that called? Or it kind of reminds me of a little super sprint, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Day, yeah. Or, oh, and it's, it's off road. It, yeah. Yes. Yes. I really, so it's, this game is called Art of Rally. It's just a demo right now. It's a free demo. Um, the only thing that is kind of my knit against it right now is because of that isometric view, I find the elevation changes a little harder to track. And so I, I, I don't know what the solve is. I Maybe like, even though it ruins the artistry of the game, like painting lines the way um, like old Mario golf games would have like on the putting green, <laughs> you know, or something like that, just on the hills so I can see my slope better because i'll go airborne and then like well that (laughs) that ruins that lap you know like uh my speed is way off um but it's really cool it's really cool i'm excited about it and again i found it i think the you know the beautiful ways that you can discover things organically in the world um and i'm excited for the full release it seems to be a, a very big game when it comes out in terms of scope and tracks and cars so go check it out art of rally you can download uh, the demo for free and give it a try and see if it's if it's your liking. Christian, cool. I have to ask you, though, about Animal Crossing real quick. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tom Nook? I feel like I have to ask every single person that plays that game what they think about this raccoon. This is the nicest Tom Nook I've ever experienced in my life. Um, he's still a jerk, but as a, you know, Jeff, I've talked to Jeff about this before. Like, I've been through all the versions of animal crossing and I, I think he's turned a corner a little bit like he's still in it for him <laughs> he's still in it for him but you know he's tolerable i will say it i don't know if that makes him good <laughs> where are you on tom nook you are the only one to give him a glowing review that is amazing <laughs> look at you looking at the positive in life baby steps tom nook's making baby steps you know you know it's not it can't can't change your entire personality all at once but uh he still wants all that what is it Bells? They're bells, bells, yeah, right? bells. Yeah. You want all of it. <laughs> and I will say, uh, people in the chat are yelling at me. Uh, yes, I have not played the Final Fantasy demo, remake demo. What? I don't, I don't plan to play the Final Fantasy remake demo. What? I don't know Why if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to play the Final Fantasy 7 remake. So. What? What, what are Dude. you talking about, Christian? I barely know you, but I'm disappointed in you. Well, you play, have you, I'm, why play the demo if you're going to play the game? I, to, to, to get a what taste. is the deal with that? <laughs> you go to Costco and you get samples, right? Like, that's what this is. We're getting Costco you, samples on the demo. You literally just talked for 10 minutes about the Art of Rally demo. <laughs> a game I didn't know I was going to get. That's why you play a demo. But you're, you're talking about a game you don't think you're going to get. You're talking about practice? <laughs> <laughs> practice. Yes, I practice? understand. I am a hypocrite for whatever reason. So, Tim, please tell Dude, me I am about Final Fantasy counting. VII Remake demo. I'm, I'm not counting interested. down the days. I'm counting down the days to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. so exciting. It's soon, right? Like, I don't even know yeah. when, but it's, it's soon. It's the 10th. This Friday. Uh, yeah, I am incredibly excited for it. Um, I did not get to play Final Fantasy VII when I was a kid. Uh, I did not play very many video games when I was a child. I watched all my friends play them. 
the first Final Fantasy that so I wait, actually you did were, play. You were in the audience? You were in Twitch chat when you yeah, were Yeah, I was the Twitch chatter when I was in my, <laughs> my parents were a little bit more hardcore than most parents around uh, my age at the time, and they just didn't like video games. So I had to get my video games by watching friends. And I watched one of my friends play Final Fantasy IX, and then eventually, uh, through an entire summer, I mowed lawns, uh, got a PS2, and bought Final Fantasy X. And that was my first Final Fantasy that I played, and, and I loved it. Um, so this Final Fantasy VII that everyone's been talking about for years, being the best one, I finally get to experience it through new eyes and remastered. So I just could not keep my hands off the demo. Uh, I played it. The combat reminds me a little bit of Kingdom Hearts mixed with, uh, I won't say Chrono Trigger, but that typical um stopping and waiting for your turn figuring out what you want to do uh it's very fluid and the boss fights are incredible i think in the demo the boss fight that i played was 15 minutes long um you you wear them down you have to be intelligent about your engagements you have to bring in the range character i don't know his name but he was uh very husky and very mean uh but he was great at shooting things from afar Tom, tom nook uh, Tom Nook, that's what it sounds like. He, he wanted bells from the boss. Uh, and uh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I think it was a total of 60 minutes the demo was, and every single minute has me hyped for the game's release. Oh, man. Like I said, I'm counting down the days. It's going to be so interesting to see, A, how much they have changed, and B, if people still feel about Final Fantasy VII the way all of us did at the time, because... I have this feeling that it was only special because nobody else was doing that then. You know, video games weren't really doing stories like that. And so it felt like, oh, wow, this thing did something completely unexpected. And video games are capable of this kind of storytelling. And now it's just, I mean, now we have Last of Us and, you know, everything. Everything is telling amazing stories. So I wonder... If a the the new coat of paint and the new tweaks to mechanics will be enough to make it spectacular again, but I, I'm curious of people who are like, okay, we'll finally get to experience what everybody was talking about. It's like, oh, yeah, no, Citizen Kane's great, but like every movie does that. It's like, yeah, they all because of Citizen Kane, they all do this, you know. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um. But I'm I'm definitely counting down the days for that. That game is I'm very 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 excited to play that. A couple more days. And I'm we're curious there. how it's you know how Square's handling its release. Right, you have to imagine that yeah. this is a huge um, game for massive. them. Actually, it's it's they're okay with it. It's all being uh, sent out now. The digital copies, uh, not digital. Right, copies, they did the copies. early yeah. Australia release. Uh, they did an early in uh, physical copies a week early in Australia. I heard yeah. about that too. Yeah. Europe as well. Um, and so people already have copies now. Um, it's not allowed to be streamed or shown on YouTube, so you're not supposed to be able to find videos. And if you do, they're supposed to be DMCA'd. Uh, but they are trying to make sure they hit the mark where everyone has it on the 10th, and it will be available digital on this Friday. Interesting. That's one way to do it. Very cool. Well, uh, speaking of sort of uh, demos or early looks at games, uh, I downloaded a free beta. They're calling it a beta of uh, West of Dead, which we were talking a lot about roguelites. This is a new roguelite. So, you know, I'm all over it. Um, West of Dead is from a uh, developer called uh, uh, upstream arcade, which is a bunch of like old Lionhead developers. Um, and this is a twin stick shooter, top down sort of isometric twin stick roguelite. So, you know, think games like Hades, for example, mm-hmm. but it's in the old West, but it's kind of, uh, 
it's kind of voodoo old west or like horror old west. Basically, the character you play is dead and looks like the ghost rider from Marvel comics. So, you know, I was in it into that, you know, it's got a, a flaming <laughs> skull as a head. Uh, and the, the real, and, and the art style is really kind of cool. It's, it's very comic booky. It's very inky, dark, uh, lots of swaths of blackness. Um, really cool lighting. It, the game really emphasizes lighting. Like you, um, you can light lanterns in rooms as an action. So, and oftentimes that'll stun enemies just by turning the lights on. So you're oftentimes going into very darkened areas and then illuminating them to discover where the enemies are that are waiting for you. And it's kinetic and action packed. It is an action game. It is an action roguelite, but it also has this really cool tactical side that I think is kind of a fresh take on the genre. Cause it's all, well, no, there's a lot of melee combat, but it's also about shootouts. It's about old West shootouts and you're able to take cover behind anything in the room, tables and pillars and door jams and stuff. And you're also able to leap and vault over those things. So you can choreograph on the fly, some really awesome looking action sequences, actually where you, the game does a really neat thing where, if you uh, if you leap over something or dodge out of the way at the last second, it'll slow down time as the bullet whizzes past you, you know, inches away from your from your body. So and, and kind of zooms in a little bit. So it really does feel like, oh, that was an awesome cinematic moment as you're doing this dance of chaos uh, throughout the the level. But it really feels different than something like a Hades because it, it, there's this element of of tactics. There's an element of 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 XCOM, even though it is very much not a turn-based game, I find myself hiding behind cover way more, moving cover to cover, taking my time and not just rushing in. So many of those games, you're just rushing in and, and doing, you know, dispatching the enemies with as much efficiency and, and panache as possible. Here, the panache comes from staying away perhaps, or, you know, finding the right amount of cover, the cover can all be destroyed. So you can hide behind it and it gets shot up and blown apart. And then you're leaping to another cover or vaulting over something or, you know, tossing a grenade or doing something cool. And it's got all the roguelite trappings of upgrading yourself over time and finding newer and better weapons each run and then acquiring a, a, um, uh, currency that they call sin, which you can spend. You actually have to spend like, uh, like dead cells. You have to spend it uh, every time you uh, start again. Um, and those things carry over from run to run. So you're putting money into, you know, upgrading your skills or acquiring a new thing. That's cool. Um, so it's very much got all of the mechanics that I dig and it's got this extra element of being a little feeling very different because it it feels a little more tactical, a little more strategic and not necessarily so, uh, you know, balls to the wall, crazy all the time. I mean, it's crazy, but it's crazier in a, in a, like thinking it through and, and what, where can I go to be safe rather than, you know, how can I kill the enemies as fast as I can? I um, really like the look at this. I'm looking at it right now, Jeff. Uh, and I think the, the tactical gameplay makes it come together. My problem with roguelikes and range gameplay is it feels almost cheap. It feels like mm. you're kind of cheating. All you're doing is dodging projectiles and you're just mowing people down. You're never in trouble when you have like a, a melee weapon, 
for right. instance. I, I really like this tactical gameplay that's making you jump around. It makes it way more active. What a clever resolve for them to fix that weird feeling that you have in a lot of uh, roguelikes. Yeah, it's really neat. And, and, and I found myself, it took me, I don't know, a, a run, at least a one run, to click into how to play it. Because I was playing it like I play every other roguelike. And I was just sort of rushing in the center and shooting dudes in the face and, you know, doing all the stuff that you do in other games. And then I realized, oh, that's not what the game is asking me to do. It's asking me to use the environment and really walk into a room and go point to point and play it more like a, I don't know, like a Gears of War or an XCOM where you're really thinking about how you're us- utilizing cover, you're popping up, you're taking guys out in a slower way, in a more methodical way. And once I clicked into that, I was like, this is really cool and very different. And it has a different pace and tempo than other roguelites. And and I, I'm really digging it a lot. It looks good. I'll, I'll have to check that out. That and the Rally one look really awesome. Art of Rally, you said the name was, Christian? Yeah, Art of Rally. Okay, I, mean, I am and, tabbing both of these. Yeah, and mine is called West of Dead. Uh, it is not out yet. Again, I played a, a free beta on Steam. Eventually, it will be an Xbox Game Pass game when it launches in 2020 at some point. Um, but uh, I'm playing it on PC, and it supports ultra-wide also, which I dig. So good on them for that. All right. Uh, let's thank our last sponsor, which is Audible. Oh, Audible, welcome home. Welcome back. We haven't had Audible as a sponsor for quite a while, but I love Audible so much. I love audiobooks. I love audiobooks, and Audible is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. You can better your life with audiobooks. You can, what a better time, what, there's no better time than right now to talk about or listen to great books to improve your health, your inspiration, maybe your success, your financial well-being, all of those kinds of things, let alone entertaining yourself, which is great. I mean, audiobooks are great for that, but there's, it's, it's a treasure trove of information to improve your life to, to get through a, a very tough time that we're all going through. What better time than to listen to an inspiring audiobook or an audiobook that gives you practical information on how to make your life better or deal with stress or invest wisely or think about the world in new ways. Books. Who has time to read them? Audible makes it so they're read to you. It's great. You can you know, get some exercise in your house while you're staying home, listening to an audiobook. That's great too. And uh, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. All you got to do is go to audible.com slash DLC, or you can text DLC to 500-500. That's pretty rad. Text DLC to 500-500 and then browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. Again, that's audible.com slash DLC or text DLC to 500-500 to get started today. If I may humbly recommend a book for you, and feel free, fellas, if you have a book to recommend, but if I may humbly recommend, I narrated a book that I think is really fun and funny called Traveling in Space. 
Uh, it's about a bunch of aliens that come. It's a first contact novel about a bunch of aliens that come to Earth. But the twist is it's from the perspective of the aliens. So the aliens are visiting Earth for the first time, looking at Earth and going, this is weird. Look at how these humans behave. Uh, it's very funny. It's very insightful. It's poignant. Um, and I do uh, about 40 voices uh, in the course of reading this book of crazy aliens and humans. Uh, I had a great time doing it. It's been several years now since I did it, but what a great time to use your free audiobook and try Traveling in Space by Stephen Paul Leva, who's the author of the book, read by me. I think you could probably just search for me. And you did find 40? It. 40 voices? At least. I, I didn't actually keep a number, but it's at least 40. There's a, a lot of characters. Two are crazy. All... You're an absolute saint, man. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I will just uh, say... It's a really fun book. Oh, go ahead. No, you, please. Uh, my daughters, neither one of them nap anymore, but they still have a quiet time in the afternoon. And via Audible, they have Judy Bloom books, and I have to tell them to stop quiet time. Like, they... they love them if you have not listened to or read judy bloom and you have kids in that age bracket they are still fantastic they are funny they are well narrated um yeah judy bloom judy bloom yeah. audible remind me of, remind me some titles of the judy Blo- i i know her name so well because of my scholastic childhood but i can't. ramona quimby i believe yeah, fudge yeah. has his own fudge. book with like her brother yeah. i think he only has one book but it is on repeat um those are the two biggies. All right. Big well, one. you can get a free audiobook, audible.com slash DLC. Go ahead, Trickster. Uh, I got one as well that really pulled me into Audible books. Uh, the Martian. There is actually a yeah. very popular one done by Will Wheaton. Uh, I would say maybe go away from Will Wheaton, even though I think he's a great person and he does wonderful voice acting as well. I think this person nailed the character perfectly. Uh, R.C. Bray does the uh, narration. Uh, of the Martian in the uh, awesome. original reading, and it's it's so well done. He gets the dark humor perfectly. I recommend listening to that. It's another wonderful read that you can get on Audible. It's kind of a preview of our uh, parting gifts. That's very very cool. So uh, three great suggestions: Judy Bloom, uh, the the Martian, read by R.C. Bray, and uh, and then you know my self serving one, a, a book that I did called Traveling in Space by Stephen Paul Leva, read by me. So uh, check check those out or or a pick a, a book of your choice audible.com slash DLC. Trixler, I enjoy your content very much. I enjoy your Twitter feed. I enjoy your streams, uh, but I have to admit nothing has made me happier than seeing you rave about Half-Life Alex. So uh, we're going to, we're maybe going to gush a little bit about that game. Have you, have you finished it? Uh, first off, thank you. Second off, no, I have not finished it. I would say I'm about 60% through the story, I believe. Um, VR is really, really hard to stream, but usually because it's so hard to stream, that's how you know I love the game because I still keep putting work into streaming it. Um, Half-Life Alex. There have been moments where I look at VR and I'm like, okay, the future's there. It's a tech demo right now, but you know what? It's going to hit. And then Half-Life Alex finally comes in. We get a full-blown story. We get gameplay that feels like we're actually touching things. Uh, It's finally here. We are seeing what we are going to be playing constantly 
in the next few years if developers continue to keep putting money into games. Half-Life Alex is the title. It is the Halo for VR. It is incredible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I I kept thinking throughout my playthrough, like, I want people to play this. But more than that, I want developers to play this. Yes. I want people who make games to understand where the future is. And there's so many ideas jam-packed in into this game, little moments. And I don't think I've ever felt more like I'm having a conversation with the game dev- designers than I have in this game, where there'll be moments where I'm like, oh, I see. You want me to stick my hand in here mm-hmm. in this terrible, horrible place with monsters in it. You want me to stick my hand in your, I see what you're doing. Or there'll be a little jump scare thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, you got me to, you got me good. That was really good. You know, there's these wonderful moments where they, I realized they knew exactly what I was going to do. I did exactly what they knew I was going to do. And we both had a nice little chuckle about it. You know, it's, uh, it's so great. It's so good. Uh, I, what was the moment for you where you were just like, holy, I'm in a game. Like uh, there were moments where I forget that I'm in a game. Uh, have you had yeah. that? Well, I, I said uh, last week how uh, l- like looking at pipes, it, you know, I was like, that looks real. It looks like a real pipe. It yeah. looks like I'm standing next to a real pipe. Um, but I mean, the fir- that first moment when you appear on her balcony and you're looking out over the city and you just realize, oh, this they're doing it better than almost anybody has done VR you know they have the budget the capability the the know-how to create what feels like a real place all the time uh, it, it truly is incredible even like walking around the uh the places that aren't real feel real like the alien infested sewers and stuff like i'm trying really hard not to like uh, uh spoil anything but uh, it's breathing it feels like you're in a world you can interact with things if you put your hand out it will almost recluse away from you yeah. Uh, just knowing that you're coming for it and it reacts perfectly. I, I like that little monster that spits out little alien grenades and then you have to go stab it from it really quickly. Like, oh man. Or, yeah. I, it, I don't know what your process of figuring that out was, but it was such a wonderful aha moment. Of like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> you know, cause I shot it. I tried all these different things. I threw a grenade at it. I did all these things. You know, Not to be weird, but I stroked it. Like, I didn't know what to do. So I started betting it. Like, I didn't know. And then finally I was like, I have to steal from this thing. Like, I have yeah. to take it away. It's prized possession. Yeah. And and there's no other kind of video game that could have that interaction. That's an interaction that only exists because you have these motion controllers that allow you to do that. And there's so many moments of that where, I, I you know, I'm doing a series of actions that I could only accomplish in this game. I'm reaching my hand through a cage and tossing a grenade down to the second floor because, you know, yes, in another game, I could probably aim my reticule and throw the grenade, but there's something so incredible about me being able to do what I'm doing because it's actually what you would do in that situation. You're reacting as a human. That's what people yeah. don't get that haven't played VR yet is you're reacting with your very body and soul to what is happening in front of your eyes. When uh, I put up a clip of where uh, I was set up in an explosive barrel to shoot somebody and I was just setting it all up. It was like, meticulous. They just had to walk towards it and then shoot it. But they changed the game plan by hitting that barrel and throwing it at my face. And that had not happened yet to me in VR. And what happened was sheer panic and emotions. I ran away from the room and reassessed everything. And it, it, there was no actual reaction like I would in a normal video game. In a normal video game, I'm like, oh, that hit me in the face, whatever. I dodge it, I shoot him anyways. But I was yeah. actually 
fear struck in. Like I could not move my body. And then after I killed them all, I realized I had to breathe. I stopped breathing during the entire thing. It's incredible. It's so true, man. I had so many moments like that where have you done the level called Jeff yet? Oh, I think I'm about to come to Jeff. My chat keeps warning me about Jeff. I'm like, stop spoiling yes. okay. me. No, I won't spoil anything. I wish we could talk about Jeff because uh, it's one of the most amazing levels of a video game I've ever played. I, w- I won't say anything else about it. I can't but wait. I, w- I, want, I can't wait to maybe tweet me after you uh, after you play Jeff. Um, but I mean, the game keeps one-upping itself. I finished uh, today. I finished the game. My, my playthrough was 11 hours, according to Steam. And um, I mean, it's... It, it constantly got more interesting. It constantly got better. It constantly kept one upping itself. It constantly kept introducing things about half-life two that I had allowed myself to forget because it was already so much happening in the game that I'm like, I wasn't thinking, Oh, when, when are they going to introduce X, Y, or Z from half-life two? Because I was just like, Oh, there's it's already awesome. And then there would be a thing. I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about these things. Uh, I mean, it's, and the end of the game is uh, a crescendo in the way that ha- that Valve seems to be able to know how to do. Um, I mean, it's it's great. It's great. And yeah. I think they really delivered on what they were trying to do. Uh, I was watching an interview with Gabe Newell and why they put this game into VR. Because people have been wondering, they're like, Half-Life 3, when's it coming out? And he's like, Half-Life to me isn't a game to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. It's going to be a good story. It's going to be a good game, but I'm here to push technology every time that I put out a Half-Life game. And I think we've done it here with virtual reality. And I completely agree. Like I'm still blown out. I make everyone that comes to my house play it. I'm like, no, you have to play this. They're like, I'm going to start a new game. No, right. They're like, don't worry, just get into it. And after about 10 minutes of them drawing on the windows and playing with the markers and messing with the radio, you can just see in their body language that they forget they're even playing something. And that is such a win for me as a gamer and for someone that enjoys VR so much. Yeah. And how many times have you just the act of reloading a gun has yeah. caused heart pounding excitement and, and, and worry and just like how you have to load that gun and a series of button presses. It's, it, it, I started it becomes- counting I count of the bullets now. Like the click is actually yeah. what got to me when I was like, click, I'm like, Oh God, everything just fell apart because they're in your face because you have to line up the headshots, right? Yes. And the fact that, you know, we've lived decades of video games, uh, of video game shooters that have said, yeah, it's fine. Reload as many times as you want. You'll never lose bullets. Yes, you can, your clip gets ejected, but who cares if you had extra bullets in there? What what matters is that the total number of bullets you've got, we'll just video game explain that away. No big deal. You see the one bullet that's in the chamber all the time? Yeah. 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 Such a good detail. I try to reload when my bullet's still in the chamber so I don't have to, yep. you know, pull the hammer back. But I love the fact that, you know, in this game, if you eject the magazine and it has bullets in it, those bullets are still in that magazine. They fall to the ground. So every bullet is precious. So, yeah, you get yourself in situations where I only have two bullets in the chamber and I'm still walking into the next room because I don't want to get rid of those two bullets. Those bullets are precious to me. It's like simple. but. You know- powerful you know what's so funny to me is we're talking about the game the gameplay the story but what about like the biggest thing that's been thrown into vr now which is you're able to flick items towards you with the with the gloves you have that's probably the coolest mechanic but it's overlooked because it becomes just traditional like i i I, I said that last week i said i must have done that 300 times in the game and it never gets any less fun yeah 
And there's people juggling and stuff. The physics aren't, I mean, they're not like life physics one-to-one, but they're intelligent. Like when you do something, you expect it to respond that way. Yeah. So there's so many smart decisions, so many clever things. I mean, just the, like the health stations, the fact that you, you're carrying around like an organic little thing and it squishes it and And pops squeals, but you have to heal yourself. I'm so sorry, bug. (laughs) So good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and maybe again, DLC feedback at gmail.com. Feel free to address this one to me. Um, I kind of accept the narrative of Half-Life is this thing that only pushes tech forward. What is Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and Episode 2? Uh, making more money off of the one that pushed stuff forward for a while. And then and then no 3. So I, I that's to me where this idea of like Half-Life only exists to do whatever and whatever. So my understanding is Half-Life 2 Episode 1 was kind of like, oh, they toyed with AI and lighting and maybe a new version of Source – or maybe it was trying to work on episodic and try to release things more quickly. Episode two had an open world segment, if I remember correctly, but, yeah. but it has, this, it, it, it fails. It fundamentally fails and that it doesn't finish a story. It, and, and that's bad. Well, yes, I think everybody complained about that for, I know, but what I'm saying is, but now we've like retconned this narrative of like, well, they only do half-life when there's new things to do. Like, so you're telling me between episode two and episode three was like, what, 2007, there were no new things to do in video games. Nothing, nothing. Well, I, I don't think that's the only reason they didn't make a game, but I think one of the reasons that they returned to this franchise is because they saw an opportunity to push things forward and they, they went, needed a big name to be like, listen, VR can be legit. That I agree yeah. with. They needed a big name to, to invest all this money into, but it just bothers me. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but it bothers me. Well, one, I'm one of those that it bothers me that they never finished episode three. They never finished that story. And then it's like, well, there's always pushing tech. I don't think episode one or two, and I could be wrong. I could be misremembering. I don't think they're known for revolutionizing genre in any way, shape or form. It's just a, a story they started and abandoned. And, and that bums I, me out. I have a question well, for you. I know we're getting sidetracked, but do you, do you think they can even finish Half-Life 3 and be satisfactory for everyone's been waiting for it? No. Uh I think I think if this game had been Half-Life 3, everybody would have been like, "Oh, that it makes complete sense." So I don't want Half-Life 3. I want Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Dude, let me just say <laughs> Finish this game. <laughs> I plan to. I, I plan to. I plan to. Because it, th- this game does not ignore anything that has happened. I'll say that. Good. Good. It good. Does good. Not ignore anything that has happened. I plan to, and I'm just being a, a curmudgeon, having not been able to play this yet, um, in any meaningful way. But it just, it's just like, yeah. I wish, I wish that stupid third part came out. Even if it was just like a point and click adventure, and like, here's the plot. I'd be like, thank you. But yes, I will. I will finish this game. Sorry, I don't for know. you say that, and then you get Kingdom Hearts three, and then you're like, "Wait a minute!" Okay, <laughs> I would have preferred not playing that at all. I also feel like the story of the story of Half Life is a whole bunch of mysteries that don't really have answers. It's it. The whole point of it is like, here's this mysterious dude with a briefcase who's mysterious, and I'm sure it. It, it, it the enigma is the story. You know, it's it's. It's a guy named Gordon Freeman who one day went to work and a portal to another dimension opened up and then bad things happened. And then in the second game, that portal to another dimension resulted in the entire world being taken over. So things are really bad. 
but it's still enigmatic because the portal it's unexplained and there's weird stuff and Vorgons are weird and everything's weird. Uh, it, 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 I don't think the point is the explanation. I think the point is walking through the mystery of everything. So as you know, Jake Z pointed out in chat as I was about to go there myself. So what you're telling me is Half-Life just needs to have ray tracing and be set in a building called the oldest house. And I would be on board. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Zing. Uh, yeah. Also, there's a level in control, the foundation DLC that uh, Tim, I don't know if you played with on a PC with ray tracing, um, but there is a moment in that where I feel like for ray tracing, they were just like, here you go. Here are all the windows. And I was Here's like, visual vomit you. of eye candy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things I didn't ask you uh, first was um, what headset you're playing Alex on. Uh, I am playing on my Oculus Rift, the second iteration of it, hmm, uh, right. is what I'm running on. Um, I will say for the most part, it's ran pretty decently. I've had a couple of problems where I'm going too fast and suddenly my left hand will just disappear. But that has only happened twice. But overall, it runs smooth. It runs great. Uh, have no qualms. Completely invested. What so about you? Also, uh, I'm playing on the uh, Index. How is all... the Index? I've been hearing it's like the go-to now. I mean, it's... I. I... It's obnoxious to talk about it, especially in the world now where who knows, people are getting laid off and the economy is going crazy. It is an obscenely expensive device, but it is uh, worth every penny as far as I'm concerned. It is, it, I mean, I don't have any of the screen dooring effect visible, noticeable to me. I mean, you have to really look for it. Uh, I don't have any God rays. Uh, it is so comfortable. I play the game for hours and hours at a time. I don't even notice how I don't even notice it. It is so comfortable. I think the controllers are perfect. Clearly they designed the game with these controllers in mind. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, if you have an index or are able to afford one, it is highly recommended as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. One day everyone's have a VR headset one day. We'll get there. I think so. I think they'll be ubiquitous and cheap. And I think uh, and that what day will be uh, glorious as far as I'm concerned. Um, but you're also you also playing the uh, Vader Immortal episodes. Yes. Uh, I I played the first two, but I haven't played the third one yet. I don't know why, what I'm, what I'm waiting for, but I haven't. Uh, you digging those? Yeah, I think as a three-story arc, it was actually well done. Uh, I felt like there was some thought put into it. I like that we got a little bit more information about Vader, not to like uh, spoil too much, but like it, it, it deals with some things that uh, kind of shows where his pain comes from and why he is who he is. Um, it was an interesting look at VR as well in terms of how to tell a story. Um, I don't think the mechanics were too crazy. Um, personally, I'm starting to get into this opinion where I don't feel like melee can be done well in VR, mostly because I don't have that hit impact. Um, it's really interesting to me that valve decided no melee. Yeah. I think they did it on purpose too. Cause like you want that wrench, right. And you want that wrench to be really, it's a, it's a wrench, right. In half-life, uh, uh crowbar, crowbar. Yeah. That's it. Where you want it to be really effective and you want it to destroy things. So like, I, I feel like there's, there's maybe not a win when it comes to melee. Cause you have, you don't have the hit registration. You're just like straight up hitting stuff overall. Like it doesn't, yeah, it, it maybe it, takes you out of the moment. It is, it is no doubt a very, um, intentional, omission on their part that they did not want any melee. I don't know if that's because, you know, we're saving that for uh, Gordon Freeman. He's the only one that has the crowbar, but cause you play as Alex in that game. But I, I think, I think you're right. I think it's more the fact that they 
decided that melee feels the worst yeah. and that the range stuff really works well. And uh, it's it's conspicuous in its absence, but I think you're right. I think it makes for a more immersive experience. I think melee only works in the sense of Beat Saber, where you cut through things and you have the yeah. visual impact. But if you are fighting someone, which is what I realized in Vader Immortal, when you have someone with a lightsaber going to hit you and you put your hand up and you don't feel it coming back to you, but visually something is getting closer to your eyeball, it just feels awkward. Um, so that was the only thing I didn't like in Vader Immortal, but I'm glad they tried lightsaber content. Like, obviously, yeah. after Jedi Fallen Order, I, I freaking love Star Wars, and it was cool to get a little bit more lore. Story-wise, it was great, and I feel like it was a good arc overall. So if you haven't finished that third episode, you guys sh- should certainly try to. Yeah, I don't know. I literally don't know what I'm waiting for. It's sitting there on my hard drive, and I just haven't, I just haven't done it. So it's I not your yeah. fault, dude. There are millions of games. <laughs> so many games. So many good games. Yeah. Uh, and you're digging Beat Saber, as you mentioned. Yep. Um, yeah, which is just... That is my escape game. I just, I love just losing myself, getting sweaty. Playing. Yeah, you get sweaty, you burn calories. It's the only form of cardio I get nowadays. Uh, but, you know, I go in and I play my emo boy songs. I've mapped a couple of songs recently because I just need to play them. Um, have you guys played since the, the 360 room has came in? Uh, no, I have not tried the 360 room. I'm, I'm, is it cool? It's actually kind of cool, but it does kind of lend itself to you need that wireless headset because like my sensors are pretty decently placed they're not amazing like they could be i just don't have the room to have a vr headset up all the time in my apartment quest Um, baby the quest i i i literally walked outside uh the other day because i wanted to try the 360 room in beat saber and went out in my backyard on a bright sunny uh afternoon as my kids were napping and my quest was like i do not like that direct sunlight sir oh yeah Uh, not able to i was not able to even get past the uh you know mark the room on the ground thing it was i just like, think it's hilarious to like your neighbor looks outside what's jeff doing today and you're just spinning in circles and flashing if you were able to get it to work uh, that's what i wanted so bad i just wanted to be the the weirdo in my backyard you know? <laughs> i want to be lawnmower man for real um but yeah yeah no i i was like i guess i have to come back here at night because it did not like the direct sunlight which i was very disappointed by but yeah, it's a cool addition. It just it requires a lot more room, and so I, I try to stay away from it. Um, just because you spin around, and you get the cords all lot up, and I'm so terrified of pulling off my uh my tower off my desk, and mm. I just know wrapping the cord around my body is eventually going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it gets you sweating for all the wrong reasons. You're like that's two yeah. spins. Uh, uh. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, but that one's been a, a pretty good one to always revisit. Right on. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We do have our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Tim Fraser, Trixler, thank you so much for being here, man. It's always so fun to talk to you. Dude, seriously, thank you for letting me come on. It's been a couple of years. We should do this again sometime. Thanks. Yeah, we're not going to let it be two more years before this happens again. we got to get you it back. It will it feel was... like it, but it'll probably only be a week. Um... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, tell people where they can follow you and all your streams online. Yeah, sure. If you want to catch my content, uh, twitch.tv slash Trixler. I also tweet it all out at twitter.com uh, slash Trixler as well. It's T-R-I-K-S-L-Y-R. Uh, I stream a variety of games. So if you show up one day and see something you don't like, the next day there might be something different. And I would love for you to come by and say that uh, you found me through the DLC. That would be wonderful. Yeah, it, it, he's a very entertaining streamer, as you could probably tell on today's episode, but I highly recommend checking him out. So uh, do that. Thanks, Jeff. Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week other than staying home? I have nothing, and I will tease nothing. Nothing exists. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Uh, yeah, all right. 
what? I said fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Twitter's the best way, at Spicer. Um, when things do exist, they'll be there. And I usually stream this show, just this show, um, Sunday night, 7.15 Pacific at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Well, I have lots of things to talk about. Um, the Slash Filmcast is where you hear me talk about movies and TV shows. We're doing all kinds of weird stuff now because there's no movies to go to. So we're uh, we're experimenting. We're doing interesting shows. This week we're talking about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is on Hulu. A really fascinating movie. So uh, check out the Slash Filmcast at slashfilmcast.com. Um, I also have the aforementioned Dungeons & Dragons show called The Dungeon Run, which I'm really proud of. We're doing a side quest now because we're all staying home as well. So we took a break from the main quest. All the characters are the same and they're doing a brand new sort of time traveling side quest. Perfect time to jump on the show. If you, uh, if you haven't watched it before, because we started a new side quest. It doesn't require you to know anything about the show previously. You can find us, uh, on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run or as a podcast by searching for the dungeon run, wherever you get podcasts, or you can watch us record live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. But wait, there's more. I have a new show, well, an old show that's new again. We brought back We Have Concerns, which is the show, the comedy science show I used to do with Anthony Carboni. Anthony and I are back. We're doing it remotely from home now. Uh, and we're doing, instead of uh, short episodes, uh, short 20-minute episodes like we used to do three times a week, we're doing one long weekly episode. The first one is up. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, I, I don't think wehaveconcerns.com is back up quite yet, but it will be soon. Uh, but you can search for We Have Concerns or my name. Anywhere you get podcasts, you can find it. We did 600 episodes. We won awards. We won the a podcast award uh, back when we used to do that show. Uh, we stopped for two years, but now we're back. And I have to say the new episode is one of the best ones we've ever done. It's really beautiful. Anthony tells a story at the end that uh, I dare you to not cry when you hear it. It is beautiful. And the show is funny and fun. We're talking about weird science stories and we're making fun of them. So uh, check out We Have Concerns. Uh, and uh, that's that's what I'm doing these days. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And you can email us here at this show at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Trixler, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, if you are trying to get through your week and you're stuck at home needing to watch TV shows, I have a show that I have been trying to push for years because I think it's wonderful and I am still surprised that not everyone in the world has seen it. Avatar The Last Airbender yeah, is one of my favorite shows. I watch that show every year, and I rewatch Scrubs. These are the two shows. <laughs> no, they're very different. But these are the two shows that I watch every year, and I've just restarted my uh, first season rewatch of The Last Airbender for the seventh year in a row. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. This show is incredible. You find new things every time. It starts with a kitty exterior. Do not allow that to dissuade you from watching this all the way through. It goes through all the morals. It gives you character development. It's some of the best animation that you will see, even though it's, it's kind of outdated nowadays. Uh, it's wonderful. you got to check it out. You will love it. I promise you. 
I agree. It is one of the best fantasy stories ever told, in my opinion. And I, I have a three and a half year old son, as I mentioned. I'm, I'm just counting down the days till I think he's the right age to, I don't want to do it too soon because I don't, sure. I want him to fall in love with it. Um, so yeah, you know, maybe another year or so and he'll, he'll be gaga over the show. It's, that's the best part about it is it's good for every single family member. Everyone yeah. can enjoy it. For sure. All right. Anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, sure. I didn't know how far I can go. If you yeah, are an yeah. anime lover out there, Attack on Titan season three that will fill your your entire time if you want. Uh, Attack on Titan season one was one of the anime busters. It busted in the mainstream. Everyone loved it, but anime or the second season came out and it was too many question marks. It was kind of convoluted. It got all over the place. People were like, "When are we going to get answers? What's in the basement?" I'm here to tell you that finally, Attack on Titan brings it all together and season three is one of the best seasons of anime i've ever seen in my life it is visually impressive audio it mixes everything together uh you have some of the most bad a characters in the world trying to keep it clean here and it all brings that heartbreaking that you're used to with attack on titan because it's a show about life being hard it is a really difficult show to watch but it's also a show that gives you resolve and i would recommend this season and then finally my last thing that i need you to watch if you want to see a really good movie uh is upgrade upgrade was an indie film that came out in 2018 i believe and it's now on hbo if you're trying to watch it for free um upgrade is john wick with ai and it's probably the best i can tell you it 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 goes through all the tropes but none of the tropes are real check it out awesome so that's avatar the last airbender attack on titan and upgrade great 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 recommendations christian how about you yeah, I came to the sh- this uh, show version of it late, but I loved the articles. I mean, loved is a weird word because uh, it's real life, but the reporting I thought was phenomenal. The podcast was phenomenal, and I'm talking about Dirty John, and I, I, I the podcast was just exquisite. Um, again, weird because it's real life and it's tragic, um, but the show is the same way where I kind of put off watching. I think it was on Bravo. I'm watching it on Netflix now, um, and just so well done. Eric Bana um uh oh, why am i blanking on her name friday night lights mom clear eyes full hearts oh yeah nashville um, uh, uh c my gosh dolly parton no dolly, it's yes that's correct dolly parton <laughs> no it's not oh my goodness uh fart it's okay it's okay you want me to look it up i'll look it up yeah look it up it's tammy taylor that's yeah, the, that's tammy the character's taylor. name uh, Connie Britton. Yes, Connie, Connie Britton. Thank you. Thank you, Connie Britton. She is a force in this. Eric Band is incredible. I mean, it has every everybody's in it. Like ev- every everybody's in it. Um, you'll, you'll be, I know them from. Oh, Justified. Yeah, incredible. Um, just a phenomenal show. Again, weird because it's like real life and it's tragic, but really, really well done. And it is that same story and just a. a I think an extra extraordinary example of like turning the podcast true crime thing into a very compelling show. So dirty John, I think it was originally on Bravo. My wife and I are watching it right now on Netflix and I recommend it. Very cool. Uh, that's dirty John. And uh, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at DLC feedback at gmail.com. This one comes from another Christian, a uh, Christian from Trondheim, Norway. And this is, so very perfect for this episode. Uh, Christian from Norway says, 
I like audiobooks. No, I love audiobooks, but it needs to have the right narrator. So for my parting gift, I'd like to recommend a narrator, and that narrator is R.C. Bray. The same narrator that tricks the recommended. Oh, snap! Uh, yeah, perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, R.C. Bray's voice makes the characters come to life in the most glorious ways. Awesome books he's narrated include the Expedition Force series by Craig Allenson. All gifts, but all gifts bestowed by Joshua Gayow and the others by Jeremy Robinson. Uh, all of these books are awesome sci-fi books and also recommended. Uh, there's nothing like an awesome audiobook narrated by an awesome narrator. Love you all from Trondheim, Norway. Thank you, Christian. So, I mean, this fits right in perfectly with our uh, with our sponsor, Audible, but also a uh, Trixler's recommendation of R.C. Bray fits in with Christian's recommendation of R.C. Bray. So perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, if you'd like to have your parting gift on the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, my parting gift is a show that I have been enjoying quite a lot as a parent. Uh, it is a show on FX. I'm watching it on Hulu because Hulu is doing this FX on Hulu thing. It's called Breeders. I don't think we've talked about this one yet, Christian. Uh, have you watched it at all? I'm aware of it. I have not watched it. It's got, uh, what's his, what's his bucket? Um, oh, Connie Bilbo Baggins. No, Bilbo Baggins from uh, the Hobbit series. And he was in the office. UK office. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Not Frodo, Bilbo. Uh, Sam. Oh, Steve Martin. <laughs> no, seriously. That's his name. Stephen Martin. Isn't it? Rudy. Uh, no, it's Martin, Martin Freeman. Martin. Oh, Martin. Freeman. Oh, Jesus. But you're right. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's great. Uh, We're nailing it, it by it, the way, at the end of the episode. You can't tell. <laughs> we got a little loopy. Yeah, it's going long. Uh, anyway, it, Breeders is really funny. It's dark, but it, but it's a dark in a parenting way where like, yeah, I've definitely imagined doing all this stuff in the show, if not done some of it. Uh, but it is uh, how hard it is to be a parent of young kids and how it makes you crazy and you do crazy things. Uh, so I recommend it. it. It is a very adult show, but one that if you have kids, I think you will relate to, if not on a level of I've done that, on a level of I've thought about doing that. Breeders, uh, FX on Hulu. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thanks again to Tim Trixler Frazier and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thank you to our uh, musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for watching and listening along live. And thank you to you for downloading the show. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.